Welcome back to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. This week's guest is financial planner Mark Miller. And although you hear financial planner, we do not talk much about finances. The conversation starts with a brief talk about finances, um, basically why I think Mark is an amazing financial planner, and he shares some great insight. So if the thought of money gives you that pit in your stomach, uh, definitely listen to some of his just insight about kind of thinking of a financial assessment as similar as going to the doctor. Um, as after that, we talk more. He's an, a, a state champion coach for girls and boys soccer. And so the conversation started about, you know, kind of his philosophy on coaching. But what it really turned into was being a great leader and kind of the the secret to being a great leader and whatever area of life that is, whether it's coaching, whether it's parenting, leading a company, uh, being with people. Basically, he gives insight on ways to think about being a leader and how to work with people, which, spoiler alert, it really comes down to leading by example and being vulnerable. So join Mark and I as we explore leadership. Let's flesh it out. Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Nooksville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. Welcome back to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. I'm here with my guest, Mark Miller. Thank you for joining us, Mark. You're welcome. Mark is, can I say what you are? Uh, Sure, absolutely. Mark is a financial planner out of Haymarket, Virginia. He's also a dad, husband, soccer coach of a state championship team multiple times. Uh, Mark, so uh, I gave a very poor introduction of you, but do you want to do a quick introduction of yourself? I wouldn't say it was poor. (laughs) But it needed work. I know you're you're correct. I, I am a financial advisor in, in Haymarket and have been doing that for uh, almost 13 years at this point. Um, grew up in the, the Haymarket, Warrington area uh, and, and live there now. So sort of a homer when it comes to most things. Uh, I, I like what I like, so uh, not too many surprises. Uh, I certainly enjoy coaching very much. It was my outlet from work for the longest time. It still is to a certain extent, but now with a two-year-old and a four-year-old at home, uh, playing with them and hanging out with my wife and and being together as a family uh, is also a wonderful thing to be able to do. I've started a habit of, as I walk in the the garage door, of starting my camera up on my phone to film it so that I can always remember what it's like when they come to the door because that's like the the sitcom moment or the movie moment when they just yell daddy and they run and give me a hug and I just want to be able to remember that in their cute little voices. So I started to do that every day, which is a lot of fun. That's so cute. It's uh, that'll be such a fun memory because I'm already thinking like, why didn't we do that? That's amazing. (laughs) How fun. Do your kids care when you come home now? What's that? Your kids care now when you come home? Yeah, they do. They do. But it's actually our dog, because we got our new dog, Hank, um, last year. 
And our old dog, who we love and adore, Henry, he was the most laid back, laid back lab in the whole wide world. But when we'd come home, he'd literally be like sleeping and like maybe open one eye and then be done where Hank, like he's away from me for 30 seconds and he comes back and he's like, Oh man, I missed you so much. And I love you so much. And I just want to be with you. And I just want to cuddle you. And now I see what people mean. So Mm -hmm. I get my, I get that. But my kids thankfully are super sweet like that still, but, but there's nothing better than that. Yeah. That two, four year old range when they're just like, "Ah." Oh gosh, I know. I feel like a superhero. They are adorable, adorable. Well, you mentioned, um, so it's funny because, um, I'm excited to chat with you. You, I don't, can I say that you're my financial planner? Is that? I think, yeah, sure. So, um, and I think it's relevant to why I would love to chat with you because we talk a lot on the podcast about, you know, shame and kind of all these feelings that all of us have, but no one wants to talk about. And money is one that everyone thinks about, no one talks about. And I know for me personally, money is something where I constantly feel like I'm not being adult enough, you know, that I'm not doing uh, the right things. And so you and I actually met 13 years ago, I believe, when I first moved to Virginia. Yes. We were little babies then. And um, yeah, that was right when you were starting out. And so we kind of grew up together, I would say, in the last 13 years of getting married, having kids getting married to different people, um, having children. And you have been our financial planner since I think before we had kids and have helped helped walk us through that. So, but my favorite thing about working with you is kind of the, I don't want to say handholding because, but meaning the emotional support that you've given, because I constantly am asking you, am I being a good adult? Am I doing the right things? And, you know, because you hear all these horror stories of um, what goes on with the market and with money and just people not saving enough and all this stuff. And um, I just feel like that is just an area that people worry about. And so having you kind of talk me through it has been very helpful. And I know that you're not just like that in the money world, but in with sports, you know, working with teenagers, that takes a certain mindset, I would say. And so I think you have very good insight that is worthy of sharing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So um, just real quick before, so we want to talk kind of about coaching because as I said, there's a big money part that people stress about, but that's such a unique thing. And that because we don't want to get into advice and things like that, um, I think that my comment that I think I can make is that not to be afraid to go talk to someone about money because I know for me, it was like, you kind of feel like you're bearing your truth. Like you can, Oh, I'm so put together. But then when you're actually like, okay, here's our numbers. What I've appreciated about you over the years is that it kind of, you take the pressure out of it. And so kind of just wanting to pass that on to people like, don't be afraid to talk to someone, anyone, well, a trusted person um, to kind of uh, rip the bandaid off. So Oh, I appreciate it. I, I equate it sometimes to just going to the doctor. Mm. And when they say, all right, well, we need you to get down to your underwear and you're going to put on this gown and make sure you tie it in the back and sit here on this, you know, the, the cold table that they pull the paper over and uh, the doctor will be in a few minutes. And you do that, you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, what are they going to ask me about? 
what's it going to be like? They're going to know everything or see everything. I do that when I go to the dermatologist. And oh yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not fun. But if you think about it, to them, they're very matter of fact. This is what they're trained to do. They, <laughs> I can't put it any better. They see tons of naked people all day, every day. So it's not that big a deal. It's a big deal to you because you're the one person right there. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's the same way that it is for for me doing work with people's money. Is that I see and talk about every single day. So there's not this sort of the the hush hush feeling that you don't know what your next door neighbor makes or how much they've saved or what your parents have going on or your best friends because everyone's either they feel like it's inappropriate to talk about. And I certainly respect that. But when they come in here it's, to the office, it's very different for them. And some people do have a hard time opening up about everything. And I try to let them know at the onset, I'm going to be a little bit nosy about this because I have to be, uh, because I need to know what's going on. And the, the more information I have, the better I can do. But you can really see the folks that are, are concerned um, and they typically ask, where am I relative to other people you work with or other people my age? Am I doing okay? Yeah. You always want to compare yourself one way or another. Um, no, you're, you're absolutely right that, that money is, can be a big stressor uh, and there's certainly a lot of emotion involved with, with finances in general. So true. So true. So my, my PSA before we tackle some other insight is definitely to just get to the doctor, get to the money doctor. Right. And work on that. So, so as we said, Mark, you have an interesting background because you weren't um, your pat. Well, I don't know if I would say it like that, but you have a people background with with understanding psychology of people with what you sure yes. In school. And so, I think that that has helped you really work with people with finances, but also kind of pursuing that passion, as you said, to kind of that outlet outside of work, coaching people, uh, coaching teenagers. And something I think that we also don't talk a lot about is the stress of kids and sports. And everyone knows about it. Everyone talks about it. But I think there's that internal struggle of, is my kid doing enough sports? How hard should I push them? How hard should I not push them? And so being that you are a multiple state champion coach, right? Multiple year state, right? Jennifer, yes, the girls we've won three times uh, and the boys we've won twice. Awesome. So you are a, a winning coach, but you also have a great relationship, I think, with the players and their families. So I would love sure. to hear kind of your mindset behind that and kind of things we can take away from that as parents. Sure. I, it's been interesting in, on the teenage side. It's not, I'm not going to pretend to say that I'm ready for my kids to be teenagers because I've had to deal with soccer players. There's no way, shape, or form do I want my kids to be teenagers or do I think I'll be ready for that when it happens. But I do, I, before I had kids, I thought, well, I'm great with the, the, the high schoolers. What am I going to do with a, with a baby? So it took a little while to, to figure all that stuff out. I'm certainly still figuring it out as I go. But high schoolers are just so different. There's so much emotion in everything that they end up doing because you know, obviously their hormones are changing. Uh, they put different things uh, on pedestals. Certain things are more important than others. Uh, and as you grow in life and as, as time goes by, you realize what was truly important, but most high school kids have not figured that out yet. And I certainly don't blame them for it. Uh, it's just the, the way high school goes for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's really fun to 
get to know some of these kids, they can play up in age because I, I coach at the high school. So they can come up in age. They can start it as an eighth grader. So you get them when they're 13, 14 years old and they'll graduate as a senior at 18. And then to be able to see them throughout college, they'll come back and visit uh, and just see how their lives are progressing. And then a lot of kids at this point for me are, are turning 24, 25, 26, because we've done this for a long time. And to see them as young adults is a whole lot of fun too. And it's been uh, really a privilege for me to feel as though I can be uh, a confidant for them. I get phone calls or text messages uh, about various things uh, as it relates to their careers or just their progress in life uh, or from some of the high school kids when they're talking about what do I want to, where do I want to go to school? What should I major in? What's it like to have your career? Uh, it's just, it's a whole lot of fun to feel like you matter to, to these kids and they certainly matter to me. And it's nice to have that reciprocated respect, um, admiration and, and, and really caring for each other. Uh, when it comes to the pushing to, to play, we see that a lot. And it's, in my view, it's unfortunate. Our, what I would attribute most to the success that we as a coaching staff and team have had over the last number of years is making sure that our players are having fun first and foremost. Now winning is fun and, and we've been uh, lucky enough to win a lot. So that certainly helps the process, but just like anything, we've been knocked down, we've stumbled, we've had losing streaks, we've had to overcome injuries. There's a lot that goes into it. And making sure at the end of the day that they're enjoying themselves, they're not being run into the ground, they're not being judged on everything that they do so that they're not afraid to make a mistake. The only way that you learn and improve is if you're pushing yourself beyond your boundaries, beyond your comfort level. And I think that's true for anything in life. That's the only way good. to get better is to be uncomfortable. But for, for these kids, they need to know that we just want them to try their best. If and when they make a mistake, just learn from it. Try not to do it again. The only time that we as a, a coaching staff and, and me myself get upset with, a, with the team or with a player is for lack of effort or just not listening. Mm -hmm. I get that. It's hard for them. They're at the end of a school day. Who knows what's going on in the rest of their lives? And we, you know, suggest something and they do the same thing over and over again and it's wrong each time. At that point, you take them aside. You have a conversation. But it's also important to realize they may have had a really bad day or their girlfriend or boyfriend broke up with them and they're thinking about something else. And at the end of the day, this is high school athletics. This is not the pros. They don't have to be there. They're not getting paid to do it. If they're having a rough day, they need to feel comfortable enough to tell us as a coaching staff, I had a rough day. I'm sorry. I, I'll, I'll promise tomorrow I'll come out and be ready and raring to go. It's making sure that we have those kind of relationships with the kids that ultimately are going to get the most out of them as players and as people. If they trust and respect that you care more about them as individuals than you do about the wins and losses. That's a great point that I would love to dive into a little bit more is that when I was listening to you speak, it's evident that you have such a good relationship because you've built that trust with them. And so what are some ways that you have found to build that trust with them? Sure. Doing what I say I'm going to do. They look to us as leaders and an example would be 
Uh, it's hard because I juggle working a normal job and then go to the high school for coaching. And that starts at 3.30. So in my field, if a client calls me, I'm supposed to leave at 3, but they call me at 2.57 and there's something that needs to be handled, I'm going to handle that first. That's my first responsibility during the day. So if I get to practice a few minutes late, that happens. I let the team know at the beginning of the year. I love being out there with you. I'd much rather be with you all uh, most of the time than being at work. But if I'm late, that's why I let the coaching staff know what's going on. Um, but I distinctly remember two seasons ago, I think it was the first day of practice, honestly, uh, and someone called. So I was a few minutes late. But as soon as I got to the school, you can see when cars pull up. So they, you can see if you look up from, from the practice field that somebody just pulled into the parking lot. I got out of the car and I all but sprinted down to the field because that's what you do. If you're late, don't lollygag down to the field and not have your stuff ready. I let the coaching staff know I was going to be late and I hauled it down to the field the moment I got there. And one of the other coaches on the staff said, because the, the girls at the time were all were stretching in a big circle and they were going through what we we're going to do for practice. And they let, he let the girls know Look, Mark told me he was going to be late, and as soon as he got here, he ran down to the field. That is what I need from all of you every single time you're going to be late. I don't want to see you walking down from school if you're 15 minutes late. If you need to finish a quiz, go ahead and finish the quiz. But if you know you're late for practice, don't just stroll down. Get down here because we need stuff to do. So I think setting that example in that I'm never going to ask them to do something that I wouldn't also do myself or hadn't done in the past they see you practicing what you preach and that's really important. What we've also, or I've found to be important is not to chastise a kid in front of their peers mm. the vast majority of the time. Mm -hmm. If they continue to make the same mistakes or they're having an off day or you just see something that they can improve upon, sometimes it's better to pull them to the side during a water break or something so that it's not really obvious to the rest of the team that you're having a, a serious conversation but just saying, hey, I was noticing X, Y, and Z. Do you have any questions about it? Do you understand why we want you to do it? How it relates to the game? Those sorts of conversations let the players know, okay, so he really wants me to understand this and understand why. Whether they're going to be playing in the game or not, and that's critical too, is not just to devote your time to the best players. Mm -hmm. To make sure that you're paying attention to every single player so that they can improve and be the best player that they can be every single day and the level of play doesn't matter. It's the incremental improvement that we can get out of them. And over time, their incremental improvement influences the improvement of the team significantly more than those little steps that they took themselves. So it's just awesome to be able to see that. And I think they know how much we care because we take the time to, to walk them through stuff as opposed to just yelling at them blindly, which we see a lot of coaches do and coaching staffs, opposing staffs do, that doesn't help a kid. If they don't understand what you're asking of them, saying it louder or isn't going to help. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes folks just think that that's the only way to do it. This is amazing insight, Mark. And I don't say that lightly because as I'm listening to you, I'm realizing, you know, this is great insight for coaches, but for fellow coaches or anyone really who works with people, not even just teenagers, but definitely with teenagers 
um, and even parents, you know, or um, leaders. I was actually thinking this is a great leadership chat, you know, going into it kind of thinking, okay, we're going to talk about this. But what we're really talking about is leadership because, you know, it really comes down to that leading by example. And the other thing you said that I thought was huge was you set the expectations from the beginning. And I think that, I mean, with parenting, with running, you know, organizations, um, because the best leaders are the ones who lead by example, who are, you know, um, kind of there's all those things about leaders versus managers and all that stuff. But um, it really comes down to just being alongside people. And it sounds like you have really cracked the code on that for, for this, which, like I said, this is, I'm, I'm taking notes and yeah, I just think that's really neat. I I was sitting here thinking like, oh, I was kind of saying it like, oh, you're the state champion. Like, that's great. And now as you were talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insight from a champion coach. Like you have figured it out. So like, yes, tell us your ways. So I think it's great. Oh, I appreciate that. I really do. There, there was one other thing that sort of encompasses some of the things that you said at the onset of our discussion about the shame side of things. I mentioned that I studied psychology um, and, and how you can, how I feel as though have, I've bonded with some of the, and, and all of the players. Uh, a few years back, and I maybe five to seven years back, um, one very talented uh, female soccer player. She played uh, all through college. She's uh, graduate this spring. Uh, suffered with anxiety, and you could tell it would affect how she played. It was never spoken about, but you could tell that she would get inside of her own head, and she would just have a few bad touches, and it would just sort of snowball. So you'd have to take her out of the game, let her calm down, talk her up again, try to get her to forget what had happened and go back in. So she mentioned to me at, at one point that she would just started on anxiety medicine and she's hoping it helps and all this stuff. And she, you know, teary eyed cause she's, I mean, she's a high school kid and it's, she, she didn't really seem ashamed by it and she certainly shouldn't be, but there's that stigma or can be in high school, but also in, in life in general. If there's, if it's a, uh, something that's going on with your mental health, that's just something that you, well, you should just be strong enough to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, the other thing I do in life is I'm on the board of the Mental Health Association uh, for for Fauquier County, and it really it covers Fauquier, Prince William, Culpeper, and 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 Front Royal, and beyond a bit. But so that's that too is something that I'm very passionate about, and understand the stigma associated with um, those sorts of challenges. So that's something that I've faced pretty much as long back as, as far back as I can remember. I think in, in preschool, I remember standing behind somebody waiting my, for my turn to do something and just feeling this hot feeling sort of rise up in my chest and my cheeks. I didn't know what it was, but I think looking back, I was just anxious to get my turn and for what, it, what will it be like? So as soon as she sort of opened up and said that that's what was going on, I just sent an email to her mom and said, look, I just wanted you to let, I want to let you know that we've had that conversation. I've had trouble with anxiety in the past and deal with it now too. If there's ever anything that you all want to talk about, I'm here to listen and, and help and guide through this when your daughter's not in school or with you. When she's on the soccer field, if there's anything that she needs, just let me know. That family 
there's a younger daughter who, gosh, time goes by fast, uh, should be uh, a junior uh, in college. Uh, so coached her. Funnily enough, they live in the, the neighborhood across the street from my neighborhood. They babysit my kids now. They dog sit our, our crazy lab boxer mix that's a handful. They've house sat. Their, their parents are very good friends of ours now. We call each other family. And it was just because saying, look, you have nothing to be ashamed of here. That's something that a lot of people face. And the more open we can have the, this conversation, the easier it's going to be for you to tell me, one, if there's something bothering you, but two, to also start to overcome this in the best ways that you can. So I really think that that shame and the stigma that some people feel, they really shouldn't because so many other people have something going on in their lives, whether it's a anxiety or issues with depression or uh, shame about money or family or religion or anything like that. So many more people are feeling that way than you could ever imagine. Uh, and just being a spokesperson and saying, look, this is what I'm facing. It takes a lot of courage for her to be able to do that, but it opens up this entire world of support and also realizing that you're not on an island. There are other people that you know and love and respect that are facing the same challenges and we can sort of get through them together. So that was one of my most favorite moments that's turned into a phenomenal relationship with this entire family um, that's, that was sparked by something on the soccer field. And I, just, I really love that family dearly. Uh, and it's been a great experience, I think, for all of us. That is incredible. And it actually, it, it gets, it peels back all the layers and it really shows, I think, the key to your success and all you do is because you're willing to be vulnerable. You have to be. I'd said you, you have to be uncomfortable in order to develop as a, as a person, as a player, in, in anything. At least I'm a firm believer of that. Uh, you have to not be afraid to make mistakes or to feel uncomfortable because uh, really that's when you learn the most. So, Man, Mark, that is just, man, you just blew my mind. And it really, you know, the research shows, I've been, you know, reading Brene Brown a lot lately, and it's like the key to living a fulfilled life. It's, it comes down to vulnerability. And I think that unpacking with your story, what you did is unpacked what it looked like to be vulnerable and gave it a real example. Because you hear, well, how am I supposed to be vulnerable? It doesn't mean you share your stuff like all over the place. I think you walked, that story is just such a perfect example of that when you walk with humility and care and whatnot, you're willing to kind of put your stuff out there at the appropriate times and places. You can really, you know, I think change someone's life too, you know, and you've been able to, to uh, see the fruits of that and kind of building that relationship with this family. I think that's really neat. And it kind of, you know, we, you gave such great tips on how to be in, in my opinion, a successful coach, mentor, leader, parent, and really at the end of the day, it comes down to that vulnerability. So I commend you. Thank you. Thank you, Samantha. I appreciate it. Yeah. And that also explains, as you were talking, I had this moment of clicking where I was like, my favorite people to be around are people who are willing to be vulnerable. And I was like, oh, duh. That's why I we've worked with Mark for so long. And from the beginning, while I was like, oh, of course, it's a no-brainer because... Yeah, like you're willing to kind of just be be real and put it out there. And so appreciate that. Oh, of course. And you've I, I've seen over the last year 
or more when we were, I guess it started, we were sitting at Wegmans outside eating uh, and you were just talking about, you know, just the things that you're good at uh, and wanting to try to use those to find true passions that you have. Uh, and I really think that's exactly what you've been able to do. Uh, and so seeing you through networking groups and in person um, for financial stuff, but also just as a friend and somebody that I know and care about and want to see succeed, you've really embraced that. This is who I am. These are the things that have happened to me, funny things, painful things, and everything in between. And that, to me, is why you're, you're finding so much success in the podcast is because people can relate to what you're talking about. And it's like, oh, well, they may not have even met you, but you've opened up and shared things that they can feel a bond, even without sort of you knowing their story, I guess. Because yeah. they know more about you. Uh, and you're just being, you're funny. And you can tell a really good story, but you're not making a lot of these stories up. It's just you're telling what's happened to you in such a relatable way that it's, it, it brings a lot of, of joy to other people. Uh, and hopefully it brings joy to you. I think you really enjoy what you're doing right now. And I'm just glad to see that you're, it's going so well. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, Jeremy and I have been watching Seinfeld lately a little bit here and there. Oh, yeah. And I feel like, yeah, the human condition, just the human experience alone, that's just, that alone is pretty funny. So thank <laughs> you for affirming that for me. Well, of Mark, course. I appreciate you. If people want to get in touch with you, how can people find you? Well, boy, it depends what they want to talk about. But they, they can call me at the office if they want. Uh, it's 703-753-2945. And they'll talk to Brenda. She runs the office, uh, and I definitely wouldn't be anywhere professionally without her. Uh, it's a true partnership here. Uh, she is. She absolutely is. Uh, and if any of you have uh, young budding soccer players, uh, <laughs> there's no shame in a little bit of recruiting. Uh, <laughs> we can always, always use some more good players. Uh, the great thing about high school is that you get to know new people all the time. Uh, but at the same time, you lose vital pieces uh, and you always have to replenish those. So it wouldn't be a bad byproduct to uh, find the, the next latest and greatest uh, goal scorer or defender either. Awesome. Well, I think hearing you talk, I can't imagine. I mean, why would someone not want you to be their coach? So well, I appreciate that. You live your life with integrity. And I think, you know, as my kids, my kids were like a season ahead of you, you know, with my kids, yours are two and four right now, mine are eight right. and nine. And, you know, I think just the moment you have a kid, it's very scary to put them in someone else's care when they're little. And right. I'm finding now that I'm, like I said, a little ahead of you, it's like, oh, it just gets worse because, you <laughs> know, so. yeah. And, you know, um, aside from all the obvious things that we would worry about mm -hmm. in today's day and age with inappropriate stuff you know, that's like a whole other issue, but there's just the whole, like, how is someone talking to my kid? Cause for us, you know, we talked about, um, and I'm kind of going off on a little tangent, but it's with the whole shame thing. You know, we talk a lot that, you know, our goal as parents is we don't want to shame our kids. And that's what so much we talk. Um, I was talking with Christina Ammerman earlier about core wounds and so many of core wounds that manifest in ways as adults happens when people are kids and it's how they're spoken sure. to and it's how they're treated. And so, you know, when our kids are teenagers, coaches, they spend so much time with our kids. I'm now realizing, wow, I want to know what your value, you know, if you were my kid's coach, 
like, what are your values? Because I don't want you talking down to my kid and shaming my kid and things like Absolutely. that. So. That was, that was something that I realized as well when I had kids and my daughter is the four year old and thinking I need to provide an environment that I would want her to be a part of. And that all the coaches are parents at this point and they feel the exact same way because that's, it's just so, so critical. The parents trust us mm-hmm. for typically 10 hours minimum a week to help mold their kids. And the most important part is to mold them into good people. And if you focus on that, the, the game, this, this, the wins and, and accolades, that'll all come along with it. And it's, it's just been a, a pleasure to have that as, as something that uh, I can say I do. I love when people stop me and if we're at the grocery store or out somewhere uh, and say, hey, coach, and ask how stuff's going. That's, I love being called dad, and that's always going to be the number one. But coach is number two, very, very close behind it. It's just awesome. That's awesome. And I did have a quick minute. I was like, your players are calling you dad? Like what? And I realized, I was like, oh, you meant your kids calling you dad. Okay, cool. Cool. Yes, cool. Correct, I was like, let's correct. not have them call you dad. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> they have all, I've only gotten that a couple times, the dad part, because I'm always saying, well, let's make sure you eat right and drink a lot of water tonight because it's going to be hot tomorrow and please stretch. And I'm, I'm that guy. Yes, you're uh, definitely that. So I do get the uh, sarcastic Okay, yes. dad. Thanks, dad. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. The sarcastic dad, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that too in my That's role awesome. most of my life. So oh my I'll God. take it. That's great. Well, Mark, thank you so much. Once again, if people want to get in touch with you, you can uh, call him at his office. And of course, if you have a budding soccer player, follow up with him take about up. adding him to his team, adding, adding them to their, his team. <laughs> thank you, Samantha. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. Music provided by twinmusicom.org. Song titled Night at the Dance Hall. Sound editing by me, Jeremy Spittle. A special thanks to our studio sponsor, MM Exteriors. Visit their website at mmexteriors.com for all of your roofing, siding, and gutter needs in the Northern Virginia area. Visit our website at flushingitout.com and be sure to subscribe. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.